If you're where you can, you'll get your Bible. And those of us in the room, open our Bibles to the book of Colossians. We're going to be looking this morning in the book of Colossians. And uh, my subject today is the solution to everything. Now, this is one of those sermons that no one will leave and say, well, it was an okay sermon, but, you know, it didn't really apply to me today. Well, here is a sermon that applies to all of us the solution to everything. All of us here have some things that need a solution, and we're going to see God's way of handling that this morning. Now, in, in the book of Colossians, it's a very, very interesting uh, book. A little brief background. A man named Epaphras started, founded this church in Colossae. Paul had never been in Colossae. But Epaphras was one of the converts of the Apostle Paul. In other words, the Apostle Paul had led this man to the Lord. And God called him to be a preacher. And he goes over to this city called Colossae and founds this church. And he's the pastor of this church. In the meantime, the Apostle Paul's 1,300 miles away in Rome. And Epaphras decides to journey to Rome to talk to the Apostle Paul, his father in the ministry, and in give him a good report on how the church is doing, but also to say to him, there's some issues in the church, some problems in the church, and maybe you could give me some wisdom about how to handle these kind of things. And so, with that little background, if you look with me in Colossians chapter number one, down in verse number nine, because what we have is the letter he wrote back. And here's what he said. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, that is the report that Epaphras had given him, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Strengthened with all might, according to his glorious power, for all patience and long-suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. Now, verse 14 is one of those verses it's a classic, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now, these next words are text for the morning. That in all things he may have the preeminence. And if you're a Bible underliner, I would encourage you to underline that little statement. That in all things... He may have the preeminence. You know, have you ever noticed that sometimes things that happened in the past, they have 
the potential to cause problems to people uh, many years later. I've watched that. Perhaps in your life, you might think of things that happened in the past, and then many years later, those things have really stayed with you some way and, and caused, uh, you know, great difficulty and great struggle. For example, a, a dysfunctional childhood years later uh, can cause many problems. Uh, an unwise decision. We've all made them, but sometimes in the past we make an unwise decision, and then many years later, that thing is still causing us problems. Uh, a failed relationship long ago in the past, but yet many years later, that failed relationship is still a problem in your life, maybe even more so. Well, let's go to another area, like say a physical injury. Maybe long ago in the past, years go by, but the fact is that physical injury long in the past, it's, it now causing great problems in the present. I'm going to share kind of a personal thing, and uh, it's, it's really kind of embarrassing to share, but the way I'll get through it will be I watch John from time to time do a very similar thing, and it really is very embarrassing to our family when he does it. <laughs> Sometimes he'll be preaching a sermon, and for an illustration, now remember, he's in his 50s. I know he projects himself differently, but folks, we know how old he is. But he'll be preaching along, and it's, it's really a good illustration, but what he will do, and the, he, he will share one of his high school football stories. Now look, when you get in your 50s, you need to be beyond your high school football stories. Would you agree? But I'm 80. I'm 80 years of age, and I thank the Lord for it. But you know what? I'm, I'm going to share one of my high school football stories. <laughs> and I, I know my family would be embarrassed, but it, it makes a good point. When I was a junior in high school, that was 63 years ago. Um, I had an injury playing football. Now, some of you would say, well, I, you know, I'm not even sure you ever played football. So what I thought I would do, I brought along a picture. I want you to see. They are going up. There I am, folks. What do you think of that, John? Okay, take the picture away, quickly, take the picture away. Well, it was a Friday night. I was a junior. We had a good football team. In fact, there were only three juniors on the team. Everybody else was a senior. We were playing not only our arch rival, but we were playing the game. If we could win that game, we would go to the state finals in triple, four AAA. I mean, that's just the top of the whole deal. So it was a big, big night. Right close to the end of the first half, we punted. And I'm downfield to try to, if the man catches the ball, to tackle the guy. And another guy's right with me. And the ball comes down to, uh, to their receiver. And he's right almost when he's going to catch the ball had he stepped to the right just one time, he'd have been out of bounds. So he couldn't go that way. And he couldn't go straight 
because there was a guy to my left that would have taken care of that. And the only way he could go anywhere would be if he could figure out how to, he could go around me. And I knew that wasn't going to happen because I had a good angle on him. And I was just about to take care of my business. And all at once, somebody took care of me. A guy comes up. I still remember his name. Isn't it amazing how you can remember things like this? I have a hard time remembering Bible verses, but I can remember this guy. His last name, Koloski. And he came from my blind side, and he demolished my knee. Like, it was so bad. First, 15-yard penalty. Second, they threw him completely out of the game. And then they took me out of the game. But that was 63 years ago. And back then, you know, injuries were dealt with a lot different than they are now. And so, you know, they did some things to my knee and all. But here's the bottom line. That's been a long time ago. But for 63 years, off and on, I've dealt with the right knee issue. And... I finally have come to the point. It's a good illustration. Something physically happened a long time ago, many years later. You know, I'm still dealing with this thing, but this thing's about dealt with me now. So I finally made the decision, you know, I've got to do something. So I go and they do all these x-rays. And they say, well, you know, you just have to have a knee replacement. I said, okay, I'm, I'm ready for a knee replacement. And so this whole past week, I've gone through everything that you go through. My schedule surgeries Tuesday morning, but listen what happened yesterday. Have you heard of the Delta variants? Well, the numbers are going up. This is an elective surgery, and so now it's been postponed. Now, don't feel sorry for me. I've been dealing with it 63 years, and uh, uh, it'll finally get taken care of. But it does illustrate a good point, and it was okay, wasn't it, just to tell one of my little football stories. I really did. And if you want to, if you'll stay for the second service, we'll show the picture again, and we'll go on from there. Now, having said that, you know, everything people deal with, though, can't be handled by surgery. It would be good if it could. But people go through so many things in life. Many of them happened long ago, and yet many years later, they are great problems in their life. And here's the good news. God, in His Word, has the solution. Whatever your knee injury may be, whatever your hurt may be, we're going to see it this morning in our Scripture. Now, I wish you'd take your bulletin. We have several blanks to fill in, but they're important, and you'll be glad at the end that you fill them in. So let us get started. First of all, the solution to everything is that in all things, that Jesus have preeminence. So if you'd just write the words down, have preeminence. And that big old word preeminence is a long word, and, and we're going to move along pretty rapid this morning, so you're going to need it again along the way. Just write P next time, and you can always go back and fill in the rest of the letters later. But that is, that is the solution, no matter what the problem. In everything, in all things, that Jesus have the preeminence. Now, this word preeminence, you see it at the very end of verse number 18, that in all things, he, that is God, Jesus, Jesus is God, may have the preeminence. So, whatever it may be, this is the solution. Now, 
What does the word preeminence mean? It's, it's just a big old word. Well, it means just to be first in everything. It means uh, absolute superiority. You know, if you want to say it in a simple way, it's just God having the top spot in your life. So here's the solution. If we'll live our life and in all things, God have the top spot. In other words, it, it, our priority would be God first, God second, God third, until finally in your life, in my life, no thing and no person is competing with God. It's just God first. That's the whole idea of preeminence. And you know, here's the problem, though. It sounds so simple, but it's not simple at all. We have to guard against things that try to have equal status with God. And interestingly, many of them are good things. For example, it could be your wife or your husband. It could be a child or children. It could be grandchildren. It could be your job. It could be your material blessings. It could be your hobby. It can be a multitude of things. Now, this is, this is real life I'm talking about. You know, that, no, no. If, if God's going to be preeminent in my life in all things, all these things I mentioned plus many other things, but the fact of the matter is many people actually somewhat deify their children, their grandchildren their work, their success, their hobbies. I mean, all that is what comes first. And that's what Paul was saying to these people in Colossae. And he's saying, look, Epaphras has, Epaphras has shared with me about these problems that you're having. Epaphras has, but he said, the solution is very simple, that as you live your life, that God have preeminence in your life. Now, Jesus deserves preeminence, and I wish you'd jot this down your book, in all things, because of who he is. You know, it's one thing to say God deserves, you know, God should be preeminent in life. Why? Well, first of all, because of who he is. Look in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God. Now, look, look in verse number 17. He is before all things, and in him all things consist. Look in verse 18. And he is the head of the body of Christ. So God deserves preeminence in your life. He deserves to have the top spot. And yet we, these other things creep in. They're not necessarily bad things. But the next thing you know, they kind of move God down until he almost doesn't have a spot. And that's where many who profess to be Christians live their life. You know, they just kind of work God and the things of God in from hither and yonder. Well, God, God deserves more because of who he is. And God deserves preeminence not only because of who he is. He deserves preeminence because of what he has done. And we need to see that. If, if you look down in verse number 16, and you ought to fill in this little blank. Uh, he has created all things. Look what it says. For by him all things were created. You know, someone says, why should God be first? Why should God have the top spot? Well, here are some reasons for what he's done. He's created everything. 
in the heavens and the earth, visible and invisible. And, and, and not only that, he's delivered and transferred us. Look in verse 13. The, 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 the New King James says, he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom. The New Living Translation does a wonderful job of that verse. It uses the word uh, transferred. I can, he's transferred us. Look at it again. In fact, let me, let me just read it out of, of, the, uh, of the New Living Bible. And it may be this way in some newer translation you have. He has rescued us. I like that. From the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. And so it's a great way. And then another reason he deserves preeminence in our life is why he's paid our sin debt. Verse 14, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin. So Paul is saying, and the Bible is saying to you and to me, look, God is to have preeminence in our life, first of all, because of who he is. And secondly, because of the things he's done. And he hits some of those in this little brief, brief letter. Now, that all said, here's the question. How can we give God preeminence in our life? I mean, what can you do? What can I do? Well, here's the, here's the practical part. <laughs> we can give Jesus preeminence by, first of all, by the way we live. And I wish you'd jot that down. Just how you live your life. It's not by whether you preach a sermon or sing a song or you give a million dollars to the church or thousand dollars. No, no, no. Just the whole deal, how you live your life. Now, you see this in verse number 10. He says, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him. Now, that word walk, that's an interesting word. The Greek word is used in the New Testament 95 times. And many times it's, it's translated here as the word walk. Now, the New Living Translation uh, and the NIV and some other newer translations in verse number 10, they, they make it so clear because sometimes the word that's translated walk is also translated live, L-I-V-E. And in verse 10, in the New Living Translation, it says, then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord. And, you know, so you say, well, how, how can, you know, I want to live my life so that whatever comes into my life, I've already done what I should do up front. I've given God preeminence in all things. He has the top spot. So we're, we're prepared. And then here comes some challenge in life. Here comes some bad doctor report in life. Here comes some disappointment in life, whatever it may be. Well, we're already in position to deal with that God's way. Now, if we're not prepared in advance and it comes, it's like climbing out of a ditch, trying to get ourselves back up on our feet. So we want to be prepared before the event before whatever it is that comes. And so how do you do that? Well, I love this. You just live always in a way to honor and please the Lord. You say, well, you know, that's kind of a generic statement. Is there some way I could put my hands on that and maybe get a handle on it? Yeah, mention two. Number one, look at your calendar. How do you spend your time every day? 
say, oh, all these things. But like 24 hours in a day, like where do you have God penciled in your time with Him? How, how do you spend your time every day? How do you spend your time every week? You know, it's so sad. So many go day after day, week after week. They say they're Christian, never pick up their Bible do they come to church if they come. Well, doesn't mean they're doesn't mean they're not going to heaven if they've trusted Jesus, but it means they're, they're, it's not going to be a good journey getting there, and when they stand before God, it's not going to be good at all. See, we can make excuses down here forever, but when we stand before God at that judgment seat, whether we are judged by our works done in our body, whether it be good or bad, all these feeble excuses we offer, we'll be ashamed. We won't, we won't even, we wouldn't dare tell God that. We tell ourselves that and we tell others that. Look at your calendar. I'll tell you another way you can know if you're living your life in a way that pleases the Lord. This is an easy one. Look in your checkbook. Just look, look what you're writing checks for. Like how you spend your money. It's amazing, you know. I'll just leave it there and let you think about it. We think nothing of spending a couple of hundred dollars to do this or a couple hundred dollars to do that, but then we'll give God kind of the leftovers. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Now, John said, Dad, they're happy. Don't go up there and mess it up. I'm not messing it up. I'm being honest with you. One day we're going to stand before God. You will and I will. And we're going to give account of what we did with this calendar of life that God gave us. And we're going to give an account. Every good and perfect gift comes from God, and that includes our material gifts, what we did with them, how we use them. It's a, it's a, it, it's a sobering thought, but it's a, something we need to think. So one of the ways that we can give God preeminence in our life is by the way we live. And then another way we can give Jesus preeminence in our life is by being fruitful. Just write down the word fruitful. And you see it again in verse number 10. Not only walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him, being fruitful in every good work. Now that word fruit. God used the word fruit here uh, to, uh, as an example of what making him preeminent does in a person's life. Now think about it. Fruit has three characteristics. Number one, fruit is visible. You can see fruit. Okay. Well, people should look at your life and my life, and they should see characteristics of God that come from our words and our ways and how we live our life. Well, fruit not only uh, is visible, fruit reflects the nature of the tree it comes from. I mean, if you look at an orange, it reflects the orange tree. If you look at an apple, it reflects the apple tree. So we're to be fruitful. So what are we to do? We're to reflect the very one that we're attached to, the person of Jesus Christ, as we abide in him. That should just come from, don't you just joy to be around people that just, they, they just radiate the love of God. 
They just radiate enthusiasm. I, I think of some in my mind this moment, many of which have already gone to be with the Lord. You could just, you were just glad to be in their presence. You just, they just radiated God. They, they weren't necessarily with a Bible under their arm or trying to preach a sermon. It's just that fruit was a natural thing that came from them. And then another characteristic of the fruit, it exists for someone else. You know, that's how we as believers are to be, not exist for ourselves, but we are to exist for others, to, to be a blessing in the different ways that God gives us to be a blessing, and it's a beautiful thing. And then another way, and, and it's such a practical thing, we, we can give Jesus preeminence uh, by knowing God better and better. Let, let, me, let me read the verse from the New King James first. Let's just go back to verse 10, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing Him. Okay, that means living our life. Being fruitful in every good work. Okay, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And then, I love the way the New Living Translation translates that. It says, all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Oh, I love that. How do I give God preeminence in my life? Every day, just want to know Him better and better. You know, most of the prayers that I pray with people, especially little children, when they come to know the Lord, I say, God, would you just help, I call their name, to know you better and better every day. And when they do, God, They'll love you more and more every day. That's a good prayer to pray for little children. But you know, that's a good prayer to pray for all of us. It's a good prayer for you to pray for yourself and for your family. And when you do that, what you're doing, you're giving preeminence to God. You know, one of my favorite old hymns, I love it. That old hymn, Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. That's a great old hymn. Think about that. Growing up, we sing that in the church so much. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, my all. I want to ask you this morning, can you say that? Is Jesus all the world to you? Is he your life? Is he your joy? Is he your all? Or, you know, is he like we've come to church? We got to get out of here and get on out there to life and joy and stuff. Well, I'm going to tell you something, people. The best thing out there <laughs> is the same Jesus is in here. And my prayer for all of us today is whether we can sing or not, we ought to learn that words of that song. Jesus is all the world to me. My life, my joy, and my all. 